0: So I know uh, a lot of folks are taking road trips this time. Where you can tell by the empty seats in the choir. Uh, but you know, when it comes to road trips, there are really only two kinds of people. You're either a driver or, or you're a navigator. Uh, and I am definitely the latter of the two because I hate long drives. A- anything over 30 minutes, uh, and I tell Vicki, you can count me out, I'd rather be the passenger. Uh, you know, but actually, if you think about it, that can be... Uh, an important role, too, because the passenger has to do lots of stuff like adjust the radio <laughs> and, and, and make the kids in the back seat behave. I mean, not so much now because they're kind of grown up, but uh, they have to man the GPS. But even more importantly, like we found out last night on our trip to Orlando, uh, we have to keep an eye on the road signs and landmarks so that we make sure uh, that we're on the right path and we're actually headed to the destination that we hope for. And today uh, you're going to see that some of that in the words of Psalm 74 as the psalmist Asaph laments the destruction of Solomon's temple in Jerusalem and at the same time looks ahead prophetically to a day uh, when a Messiah would appear that would not just come to a rebuilt earthly temple but would be the temple of God in himself. And So if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn to Psalm 74 superscribed a masculine of asaph and he writes "O god why do you cast us off forever why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture remember your congregation which you have purchased of old which you've redeemed to be the tribe of your heritage remember mount zion where you have dwelt direct your steps to the perpetual ruins the enemy has destroyed everything in the sanctuary your foes have roared in the midst of your meeting place they set up their own signs for signs they're like those who swing axes in a forest of trees and all its carved wood they broke down with hatchets and hammers they set your sanctuary on fire they profaned the dwelling place of your name bring you down to the ground they said to themselves we will utterly subdue them they burned all the meeting places of god in the land We do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet. There is none among us who knows how long. How long, O God, is the foe to scoff? Is the enemy to revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the fold of your garment and destroy them. Yet God, my King, is from of old working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your might. You broke the heads of the sea monsters on the waters. You crushed the heads of Leviathan and gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness. You split open springs and brooks. You dried up ever-flowing streams. Yours is the day. Yours also the night. You have established the heavenly lights and the sun. You fixed all the boundaries of the earth and you have made summer and winter. Remember this, O Lord, how the enemy scoffed and a foolish people revile your name. Do not deliver the soul of your dove to the wild beast. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. Have regard for the covenant, for the dark places of the land are full of the habitations of violence. Let not the downtrodden turn back in shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Remember how the foolish scoff at you all the day. Do not forget the clamor of your foes, the uproar of those who rise against you, which goes up continually brothers and sisters this is the word of the lord so you know when you're reading through that it's easy to to see and to hear that this psalm was was born in a time of disaster and distress it was actually written about 600 or so years before the birth of jesus when foreign armies had invaded the land and not only had they attacked the people of god but they desecrated god's house they'd actually burned his sanctuary to the ground and and defiled the dwelling places of his name and as horrible as all that was to witness you know in reality it was just a lesser physical manifestation of the spiritual reality that the nation was already experiencing because we're told that God had stopped giving signs and he had stopped sending prophets and that he hadn't done it because people weren't really looking for those kind of things anymore or I guess I should say most people weren't looking for those anymore but you know we know god always preserves a remnant for himself and so in the song we just read asaph prayed remember your congregation which you purchased from of old have regard for the covenant for the dark places of the land are full of the habitation of evil and i can tell by your faces some of you are sitting there thinking gee pastor i know it's december 29th but i was still kind of in the mood for a christmas message uh, and, and this one that you just started sounds a little depressing, uh, but fear not, because Psalm 74 actually, and I'm going to show you how, takes us directly to the early days of our Lord's incarnation and points right to the heart of Christmas uh, and to two of its lesser known characters, the ancient sage named Simeon and the old prophetess Anna. And so keep keep Psalm 74 in one part of your mind and travel with me to first century Jerusalem and into a newly rebuilt temple, this, this time Herod's version of it, rebuilt on top of the ruins that Asaph had lamented in the psalm that we just read, uh, in which of course was by now more expensive and, and twice as crowded. Uh, and the time we're looking to is exactly 40 days after our Lord's birth, the time when Mary and Joseph are there to observe the Mosaic Law, and uh, from the Old Testament, two of them actually, the purification of the mother to prevent her being ceremonially unclean and the presentation of the firstborn son to the lord and and we know from the story if you remember as they enter the temple they meet this man simeon who we're introduced to in the gospel of luke chapter 2 as the holy family takes the infant jesus into the temple precincts so if you have your bible i'm reading from luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 22 that tells us then It was time for the purification offerings as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him, meaning Jesus, to Jerusalem to to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon he was righteous and devout. He was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. And so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. We're told he was righteous and devout. Now, don't don't misread that. That doesn't mean he never sinned. It just means that he was trusting in the Lord, that he was looking forward to the consolation, to the comfort of Israel, and he's waiting for that hope of Israel to come. He's waiting for a sign, a sign that God was going to, in the words of the song we read this morning, stop holding back his right hand. He would take it from the folds of his garments, and he would work salvation in the midst of the earth. And, And now at this point, that providential time had come and so guided by the spirit simeon enters the temple complex so that when the parents brought the child jesus to perform for him what was customary in the law simeon took him up in his arms and he praised god and he said right out loud in verse 29 there sovereign lord now let your servant die in peace as you have promised i've seen your salvation which you prepared for all people He's a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. And so Simeon's saying to his audience, this, this child is the one. This is a birth not to be missed. This, this boy, he's, he's the longed-for Jewish deliverer who comes to God's people. But you know, there's, there's more to it than just that. There's more than just the mercy shown to Israel because it won't stop there. It overflows its borders and it reaches others including you and me here today. Because Simeon's declaring that Jesus would do more than simply restore the glory of an oppressed and sinful Israel. That was thinking way too small. Because Jesus' birth marks the beginning of hope for all people. For everyone. All over the world. But you know, it's more personal than that too. It is for us and and for Simeon. Because if you notice what he said, he said, My eyes have seen your salvation. Or we could actually read that, my eyes have seen your Jesus. Remember, that's what Jesus' name means. It means salvation. That's what Joseph was told in that dream in Matthew one twenty one. He said, you shall give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus is God's salvation in name and indeed both. And you know, that's what gave Simeon the hope as he faced his death. And it's our hope today too. Our hope that we've seen the Christ who secures salvation for you and me individually. And you know what, Simeon believed that without even knowing how it all ended. He didn't have the benefit of the written gospel that we have, that that Bible that you hopefully have open in front of you. He just looked at this infant baby and he saw God's solution to our problem of sin. And he trusted in what he came to do. And now he said he's ready to die because Jesus the Savior was born. But let me ask you, have you come to that place yet? Because you know, more important than anything else that we do this Christmas time is to to find out for yourself whether you and I are prepared individually to meet God. Uh, Prepared because you are seeing Christ as your only hope of reconciliation and of peace with Him. And and, you know, after Simeon made this realization, he, he went out from there and continued speaking to Mary and Joseph. And Luke tells us, as the story progresses, that Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign. Did you catch that? He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul." And so Simeon looks at Mary, and he says to her, Mary, this baby is going to divide a nation. He's a sign from heaven that marks the end of neutrality about God. Because from here on out, you're either for Him, or you're against Him. There's no more middle ground. Uh, To some, He comes to bring heaven, and to others, He comes to bring hell. But Jesus' birth will lift up the lowly. But it's also going to bring down the mighty he'll unite some and he'll divide others people will love him and follow him or they're going to hate him and reject him and because of that mary a sword is going to pierce your soul because your son will reveal the secret thoughts and intentions of many hearts and you know people don't like to be told the truth not about them or or to them and mary you won't like what happens to him because of this what Simeon is telling her is necessary so that Jesus can fulfill the mission he came to complete, a mission that he achieved through his suffering. And brothers and sisters, if you and I follow him today, his purposes may take us there too. But you know, through him, all of our suffering, whether it's from illness or from loss or from lack, can become suffering for Christ's sake. And through it, you and I can help someone else who's watching our lives. We don't always realize sometimes while we're going through things, but people are watching to see if there's any difference that a life with Jesus can make. Because your life, the the way you live, the things you say, the the experiences you share may be the only gospel that some people ever see. So, So ask God to grant you a life of faith and of hope like Simeon so you can be a faithful witness to Him. And you can point everyone you meet to his great salvation, no matter who you are. And that brings me to the rest of the story as we uh, take a look at the life of the prophetess Anna, if you still have your finger there in Luke chapter 2. Uh, verse 36, we're told Anna, a prophet, was there in the temple and she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. Uh, and she was very old. Her husband died when she had been married only seven years. And then she lived as a widow to the age of 84 she never left the temple, but stayed there day and night worshiping God and fasting and prayer. And she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. And she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Pretty amazing lady, right? You know, Anna wasn't like most women of her time. She chose a completely different path. You know, in the culture of her day, more than likely after her husband's early death, she would have been encouraged to to get married again and to have more children. But Anna instead chose to stay single so she could share her faith with as many people as she possibly could. She chose to serve the Lord with the rest of her life. And she chose to fast and to pray, worshiping God day and night. And she chose to tell people the news of the Savior that was coming. No matter how long it might take before He came, even when the signs of him seem kind of vague. She just kept on every day doing what God had told her to do in a life of service. Demonstrating that even in the worst of circumstances, God is still with us. And you know that you can be used by God no matter who you are. No matter what situation you're in. Whether you're married or, or single. Whether you're rich or poor. Uh, whether you're young or old. Whether you're 84 or not. And we have any 84 year olds in the crowd. Right? <laughs> She simply relied on the power of God, believing that the blessings of being obedient far outweighed the blessings of playing it safe. Because, you know, Anna knew from experience that the Lord answered prayers. You know, it wouldn't have been easy for her this life that she chose. It would have been much easier for an elderly widow to think that her best days were behind her. It would have been easy to just sit around and think back over the path that her life had taken But instead she persevered in her trust in god's plan and she stayed faithful And she stayed responsive to the holy spirit and god let her see the fulfillment of israel's hope And we're told in the text that she talked about that child to everyone that she met And you know, that's what god wants for us too He wants uh, You and me to keep on hoping To keep on looking for signs of him to keep saying yes lord I'll do what you want me to do. And most of all, for us to keep up talking about him so we can continue his work through us to bring the hope of salvation to the world, even when it isn't easy. You know, I sure bet you Anna probably spoke to some folks who didn't want to hear what she had to say. Right? But she kept moving forward. She kept telling people about the Messiah's coming, and she had the courage to do it alone. She didn't let anyone tell her to go home and sit down and retire She listened for God to tell her what he wanted. She waited for Christ to come despite the years that had passed in her life. And you know, sometimes that takes patience. But Anna was committed to telling everyone about the coming Savior no matter how long it was going to take for him to come. No matter how long it would take for God in the the words of Psalm 74 today to have regard for his covenant. But how about us? You know, as I said, from our viewpoint, we have a more privileged position than simeon or anna we have the whole bible to read we have the four gospels with the record of the life and the teaching and the death and the resurrection of christ we can see in so much more detail how jesus brought about that salvation but with all of those opportunities have you really seen it have you really seen his salvation have we experienced it for ourselves and if we have are we sharing it with other people You know, the uh, prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, once said, you've never really known Jesus if you've never told anyone else about Jesus. That'll make you think, right? He said, you've never really known Jesus if you've never really told others about Jesus. And you know, what better way to start out the new year than to trust in the Lord for yourself, to receive His salvation, to find in His death and resurrection the revelation of God's love for you to receive his forgiveness and his pardon and his welcome and to see and to know his salvation and then to share that message with everybody around you you know that's that's the hope of psalm 74 that's the meat of the story of simeon and anna that's what it's really all about it's a reminder that this christmas season is really only about the hope that a personal relationship with jesus christ can bring and it's a reminder to all of us this season it's not just about buying and, and giving and time spent with family and friends, but rather, Christmastide calls us to remember that Jesus is not only the reason for the season, that He was, in Anna's case, her only reason for living. And in Simeon's case, His only peace and death. And, you know, I really believe the Holy Spirit gave both Simeon and Anna that hope, uh, hope in a Savior who would be not just for the Jewish people, but for all people. Uh, And now all these years later, we Gentiles in this church, on the other side of the world, thousands of years from where this event took place, we have hope too. Just like those two Old Testament saints who prayed and trusted God because they knew where hope comes from. They knew how to see its signs. And, And so I want to ask you today, have you seen the signs of God's salvation? Are you seeing the signs of His presence? I know I do when I see eight people join church and two people renew their baptism. Are you trusting in God for this new year? Are you helping other people to see God and pointing others to Jesus, showing them what it's like to live for Him? Because, you know, your family and your friends and your neighbors and your colleagues are watching you, knowing that you claim to be a Christian. So is the light of Christ shining for them to see salvation in Christ? Is He shining through just so they can see the gift of the Father's love? You know, just as as Paul told us in Romans the God who since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? You know, and that's that's the hope. That's the hope that the Christ of Christmas brings, not just at His first coming at Christmas, not just when He comes again the second time, but right now, to grant us hope and patience in every circumstance of life so that we can leave here today and confidently say, sovereign lord i have seen your jesus and i'm going to talk about him to everyone i meet so lord remember your congregation which you purchased from old and send us out from here to live for you this christmas tide and always Amen? amen you pray with me